Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Man, how are we feeling this morning? <laughs> y'all still y'all still full from Thanksgiving? Amen. I want to I want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. I hope that you had a a blessed a blessed time with your family. Amen. Um, so much to be thankful for. So much to just I mean, just the fact that we woke up this morning that we have the privilege of coming here uh, into the house of God. That is a that is an honor. That is a privilege. Amen. Um, this morning, while you're while you're standing, um, I want to I want to take you to the book of Matthew chapter eighteen. We're going to read verses 1 through 14. And I don't, know, I don't have my, my stand. I think it might be in my office. <clears throat> Amen. Are we awake? Amen. God is good. All the time. All the time. All the time. Amen. Amen. Are you there? Okay, almost, almost. Matthew 18, 1 through 14. I, 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 want, I want your attention this morning. I really want your attention this morning. So if you can help it, you know, save the, uh, save the, uh, the, the urge to get up till after the service, because I believe that God really has a word for his people this morning. Amen. You got it. Amen. It says this, it says at the time, hold on, hold on, let me get situated. There we go. At the time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones to believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. I want you to skip down to verse 10 with me. It says, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my father who is in heaven. And what do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one who went astray? And if he finds it truly, I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. So it is not the will of my father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly father, I thank you for this word that you have spoken over, over your servant this morning, Lord. And I just pray, Father God, that, that I would just be your mouthpiece, Holy Spirit. I pray that you preach this word, my God, that I, that I have no say in it, Father God. And I pray, Lord, that, that with open hearts and open minds this morning, my God, that your Holy Spirit would just do his work. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. And you can be seated. <clears throat> amen. Man, it is rough doing worship, man. And it's been I love it. I love it. I could have kept, I could have kept going. We have night of worship this, this Wednesday night at 7 a.m. Amen. Y'all, no, p.m. Sorry. P.m. 7 p.m. Thank y'all. I was testing y'all. You were paying attention. Yes. 7 p.m. Uh, this Wednesday night of worship, and it'll be our last, uh, Wednesday event before, uh, next, next year. Amen. So, but I, I love, I love doing worship. It, it's a lot. It's a lot on the voice. Obviously, by the time uh, Brother Junior was asking me, are you, are you ready to give us that voice? And I was like, man, I gave it all to Spanish, bro. I'm already, I'm already done. Um, but 
but I, I, I enjoy it. And <clears throat> if my voice sounds a little hoarse, that's, that's why, okay. I don't have COVID or anything. Um, but this, this passage of scripture, I, I had been studying it, um, since the beginning of the week. And, you know, overall it, it's a, it's a teaching from Jesus on how to live harmoniously with other Christians, right? Jesus is talking to disciples, uh, about other disciples. And it's a very, very corporate message, meaning it's, it's for the church, right? It also applies to us as individuals, but I think the church, uh, can really learn from this teaching. And, and so I, I, I'm calling the message today, little ones. And I'll, I'll tell you this, man, I'm, I'm preaching this message out of just sheer obedience because this isn't something that I've mastered yet. This, this isn't, this is something that I still have to intentionally put into practice. I'm not, I'm not there yet. I still struggle with this. And you know, I, it's funny. I used to tell God, God, I can't preach that message because I don't practice it yet. You know, practice what you preach. That's what we say. I'm not going to preach something that I don't practice yet. And then it's like, God just kind of gave me a little spiritual slap one day. And he said, you're not the one doing the preaching. You're just doing the speaking. My word is the one doing the preaching. My word is, the, is what convicts and that pierces the heart. Now, now for everybody who wants to analyze every little thing that I say, I'm not saying to not practice what you preach. Okay. It's not a, not giving you a green light to be a hypocrite. I'm just saying that a lot of times the sermon is for the preacher himself. And today is one of those days. The chapter opens up with the apostles. They're having a discussion about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Mark and Luke's gospel recounts the same event as saying that an argument arose between the apostles. They were, they were arguing about who would be the greatest. I just kind of imagine like little kids thinking, you know, wanting, wanting the rights, like, no, this is, you know, this is going to be my, I remember when we would go look at like new houses when we were, when we were kids, we would always fight over who, who was going to take the room, right? Like, oh, this is going to be my room. And Ashley would be like, no, it's going to be my room. And Alexa was a little too small to, to fight. But like, that's kind of how I imagine the disciples having this argument. Like I'm going to be the greatest. No, I'm going to be the greatest. And Peter's probably like, well, dude, I'm, I'm the spokesperson of the group. And then John's probably like, I'm the beloved apostle. Like I'm going to be the greatest. And, and so they're thinking, they're, they're, they're asking this question, who is going to be the greatest and I've said this before, it's obvious from the scripture that one of the reasons the disciples even decided to follow Jesus was because of what they thought it would do for them, right? Um, uh, they, they found the Messiah, and when they found the Messiah, they also found an opportunity to serve in his kingdom. Imagine finding such an opportunity. You would be all over it. Imagine, imagine uh, seeing someone who you believe would change the world you would want to follow them. If they called you to be in their inner circle, you would move your schedule around. You would make life adjustments. You would, you would make the sacrifices that are necessary because you believe that this is going to do something for you. Now, I'm not saying that the disciples didn't have good intentions. You know, obviously they had to have some type of humility because they were putting themselves under the service of Jesus. But there was a little bit of selfish ambition amongst the apostles. And so they asked the question, who is going to be the greatest? Who's going to be your number two? Who's going to be the key decision maker? Who's going to be the, 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 the one in the, in the room with you, right? It was a question of what are you going to do for us? Where are you going to take me? What are you going to do? This is going to be one of those hurtful sermons this morning. Okay. Just preparing you. What are you going to do for me? What, what, what are you going to call me to? What is going to be my Assignment. You, you know what I've noticed I was, as I was preparing this? I noticed that whenever people receive prophetic word, the words that get us the most emotional are those that have to do with our elevation. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Like if it's a prophetic word of like correction, 
Like you're like, who's this false prophet? All right. I ain't paying attention to him. But when it's a word of your elevation, when it's a word of where God is going to take you, what he's going to do for you, when God, when, when, when you have a prophet says, God says, start that business, start that business. You've been thinking about it. Start it because he's going to grow it. He's going to bless it. Tears start going everywhere. Yes, Lord. God, God says, start that church because you've been, you've been hesitant, but, but God is saying he is going to grow it. You fall to the ground and you begin to worship. God says, start that. Min-. I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I'm a product of that. Every time I receive a prophetic word that has something to do with, with, with God taking me to the next level, man, it, it tears me up. It really does because we're, we're proud to be called by God. Anybody proud to be called by God? Amen. It, it, it's a, it's a privilege, but I think pride is the very response that it shouldn't be. It should be yes, Lord. The response should be obedience because, because when you become proud of something, it also comes with a little bit of entitlement. You're proud of your children because they're your children. You had something to do with them. You're either proud of them or you're ashamed of them, right? Either way, you had something to do with them. There's a little bit of entitlement there. There's so many times where I, I, I tell people that I'm so proud of my church because I am. I'm proud of my church. I love my church. And I, 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 I was actually bragging um, to another pastor friend uh, a few weeks ago about all the conferences that we put on, man. We had an awesome uh, marriage conference at the beginning of the year. And then we had a, a, a men's conference and then women's conference. I mean, like it's God is doing something in our church and I'm, and I'm, I'm proud of it. I'm proud of my church, but you probably didn't even notice that I said, I'm proud of my church. And maybe you think, well, that's normal, you know, language because your pastor and pastors usually refer to their church as their church. But you know, if I'm not careful, I can, I can let that sense of entitlement kind of go to my head and think that it was because of something that I did that the church is blessed. But at the end of the day, God didn't, God didn't even call me to be a pastor. He called me to be a servant. It just so happens that the job description in this moment of my life fits the pastoral criteria, but it could be pastor today. It could be something else tomorrow. The status, the position, the reverence that comes with the title is not the point of kingdom service. The purpose is to serve the kingdom. Y'all, man, y'all quiet this morning. Y'all quiet. It's, it's, look, it's normal. It's normal for us to want credit, right? It's normal. You want credit for something you did. There's this quote that says, you know, leaders get all of the blame and none of the credit. <laughs> it's nice when you're recognized. It's nice when you have a little bit of the credit. You know, um, when my time comes to an end as a pastor, I want to be able to look back at my time as the pastor and say, this, this was accomplished. I want to be proud of something. It's, it's totally normal, but it shouldn't be necessary and it shouldn't be accepted. Expected. Sorry. But we have made it. We have made the kingdom of God something as if to serve us. If you did something for, if you did something great for the kingdom of God, admit it. It's not enough for just God to know about it. You want people to know about it too. Amen or no? It's not enough for just for just God to, even though God said your reward is 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 what man will give you if that's what you're looking for. But it's not enough for just God 
to know about. We want the world to know about you. You want, you want the world to know that you have something to do with the success. You want the world to know that you wrote the song. You want people to know that it was your idea because deep inside every person is a desire to want to be worth something to other people. And even though God sent his only son to die for our sake, as an act of saying, child, you are enough. Sometimes we treat it as if it is not enough. Because we want to be seen by people. We want to be liked. I want to be respected. I, look, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I tell, I tell my wife this. I desire, like, this, is, this, is where my, this is where my issue is. I tell my wife, I desire to be respected more than I desire to be loved. I would rather be respected than loved. You might want to be loved rather than respected. Everybody wants something from other people. You want to be liked. You want to be respected. You want to be honored. You want people to see you. So the disciples asked this question, who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who's going to be the greatest? Jesus could have gotten real smart with them and and said, none of y'all going to be the greatest. I'm going to be the greatest. I'm Jesus. Right. But, but see, Jesus knew that they weren't trying to be greater than God. Nobody in this room has that problem where you're trying to be greater than God. That is not a sermon that I have to preach. Jesus knew the disciples were not trying to be king. That was only reserved for Jesus. So the real question wasn't Jesus, will I be greater than you? It was Jesus, will I be greater than my brother? Jesus, will I be greater than my sister? I want to, will I have more followers than she's got? Will I have more success than he's got? Will I have more people coming to my events than they got? Will I have more people at my church than that pastor has? Will I have a a, a better anointing than she has? Sometimes I think that everybody wants their own throne in the kingdom of heaven. And we're, we're not even called to sit. We're all called to bow to the one who is worthy. It's an equal playing field. Stop looking. Stop looking at what other people are doing. Stop comparing your faith to someone else's faith. So Jesus makes this very, very powerful statement. Y'all still with me? Were were y'all ever with me? Okay. Thank you, brother. Man, I love you, man. Jesus makes this very powerful statement. Verse two, he says, calling a child, he put them in the midst of them and said, truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter. Somebody say never. Okay. I want you to pay attention here because when Jesus says you will never enter the kingdom of heaven, you probably should pay attention to what he's talking about, right? He says, truly I say to you, unless you become like children, you will never, I don't, I, I, I don't ever not want to get into heaven. I don't want to go to hell. So he says, truly, I, I got to say it again because I'm trying to make a point. Unless you become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Okay, children, children don't, don't humble themselves. They're humbled by default. Um, in fact, a, a better translation, like if you look at the Greek of, of verse four, it would be whoever has the humility of a child. Kids don't, kids don't have to check their pride. They might have to check their attitude, right? Amen. All the time they got to check that. Ooh, girl, you better check your attitude. But I never have to tell any of my kids, check your pride. I have to tell myself, check your pride. Adults struggle 
with pride. Because children, see, they know, it's just innate in them, that adults know best. They don't question it. They are dependent on adults to to care for them, to feed them, to clothe them. There is no attempt by most children to act as if they are the adult. Now, as a child ages and gets smarter and wiser and stronger and more independent, that's kind of when pride begins to creep in. So Jesus says, you need to be like the little ones. Now, he's not talking about maturity. He's talking about humility. If you were to go in the nursery right now, you probably wouldn't see a bunch of little kids competing with one another. You're not going to see that. In fact, they're probably not even playing with each other. The only thing they might be competing with one another for is who gets to be held by Miss Liz, who watches them. Because because the only thing small children care about is being cared for. That's all they want. They want to be cared for. They want to be held. They want to be loved. They want to be babied. They're babies. And so they know that another child their age is not going to be able to give them what they want. So they're not even trying to compete. They're not, they're not caring about what you're doing. You're better than me. I'm better than you. No, you don't really, you're the same as I am. I want to be dependent on the adult. And so when Jesus said, you must be like the little ones, he's saying this nonsense of who's going to be greater than who that doesn't belong in my kingdom. You care too much about status. You care too much about position. The greatest will be those who have made themselves the least greatest so that God gets the fullness of the glory that he deserves. Little ones. Turn to the person next to you, call him a little one. But say it like we're like, like little one. <laughs> that, that part's, that part's get, it gets me. It, it's, it's, it's kind of disrespectful. Right? To call a grown man little one. Right? (laughs) It's uh, to me, I mean, because look, the children were of the lowest rank in society, even even lower than, than, than women in that time. And women had no voice in that time, but the voice of a child, it was non-existent. You don't listen to a child. He's a child. So Jesus telling this group of manly men, these fishermen, these businessmen, little ones, be like the little ones. That had to make them cringe. You don't call a grown man a child. I've told this story to some of you. When I first became the pastor, there was was a um, couple people, six to be exact, who... (laughs) who voted against me to not be the pastor and they're not here anymore, which is fine by me. Um, but you know, it's it's okay. I'm not, I'm not salty towards them. I'm not going to be everybody's choice, but there was, there was a, there was an older man here, um, who, you know, he, he had been here much longer than I've probably even been alive. And, and, uh, and so he, he voted against me. I know that he did. I know I didn't, I don't have the proof, but I know it. Um, (laughs) and, uh, and so I, I remember about two Sundays, two Sundays after the, the church voted me in as, as their pastor, I remember it was in Spanish service. I, I go up to these four group of men that are standing, uh, standing around. And, and, you know, all of these men are, are much older than I am. And, uh, you know, they've been at this church for a long time. They've all seen me grow up in the church and run around in the hallways and just act a fool as a kid, right? That, that's in no way what I consider myself their pastor, 
I, I've never helped them through anything. I've never taught them anything. I never even preached to them. Like I'm not their pastor. My dad was their pastor. My grandfather was their pastor, but not me. So, but it was two weeks after the vote that the church, um, acknowledged me as a, as a, as a pastor of the church. And I go up to them and I shake their hand and you know what they say? They say, pastor. And I was like, Oh man, he just broke my heart. Well, melted my heart. Each one of them, pastor, 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 because they were, what they were doing is they were just showing honor and respect to the pastoral calling. Didn't matter if it was me or anybody else. They were, they were showing reverence to who God put in, 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 in that pastoral role. And it, it made me, it was, it was a beautiful moment, but within the same five seconds, I get to the last man's hand. And, and, and this was the guy who, who I knew didn't like me very much. I know voted against me. And so I get to these, these hands and pastor, pastor, pastor. I get to him and he doesn't call me pastor. He didn't even call me hermano. He didn't even call me joven. He calls me muchacho. He might as well have called me squirt or (laughs) champ or something, scout, right? Like, like, I, man, I was so offended, man. I was so, I probably shouldn't say this, but I was butthurt. <laughs> I was so offended. My blood was boiling, man. I remember, and I, I wanted to tell him something so badly, but it would have been in Spanish and I wouldn't have done myself any favors. <laughs> so I remember feeling so belittled. I mean, obviously he did it on purpose. He did it on purpose, but but it probably hurt me even more because he put me down here when my head was already up here. What was my head doing up there anyways? I'm not saying that he wasn't in the wrong. He was absolutely in the wrong. The Bible teaches to show honor and respect to those in any position of authority. So he was absolutely in the wrong. But I kind of had a problem too. Because I took the offense. No, no, no. Because I took the, yeah. I, I, I could have taken the offense without being offended by it. It was obviously an offense, but I got so offended by it. I, I took it personally when he said, muchacho. And, and in a perfect world, you know how you always kind of rethink it through, like, I, I, oh, I wish I would have done it this way. In a perfect world, he would have he told me in English, right? And, and I would have told him, I would have pulled him to the side and would say, hey, brother, the Bible says to show reverence and, and honor to those who are in authority. And I think that you disrespected uh, me as, as, as the pastor, um, uh, of, the, of this church. And in doing so, you also disrespected God because God was the one who placed me here. And I, w- I already, I planned it out. I was going to go to, to King David and Saul and, you know, brother, remember how David, you know, he, he hated, he, you know, he was running for his life and King Saul was trying to kill him. And, 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 and he had the opportunity to take his life. Right. But, but he didn't because he was like, you know, if I lay my hands on God's anointed one, that's, that, that's going to say something for me. So I get that you don't like me, but you shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I mean, I, my, my day was ruined. I don't even think I preached very well that day. I went home. My pride was hurt. My ego was bruised. Like, how dare this man disrespect his pastor? All while pride doesn't even belong in the kingdom of God. And I imagine that the disciples had their pride checked when Jesus said, you have to be like the little ones. The little ones. Thinking that they were going to have status in the kingdom of God. And then Jesus telling them, unless you become like little children, you're not even going to have a place in the kingdom of God. 
And then he continues, verse five, you still with me? He says, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. So often we think about, we think that this child is about children. It's not about children. Children are the example of humility, which is the way that we are to approach the kingdom of God and others in the kingdom. Jesus isn't talking about children. He's talking about anyone who would be considered a follower of Jesus, a disciple. Remember, he said, you must turn and be like children. He was talking to the disciples. He's talking to adults who in many ways are bigger children than children themselves. And, and he says, if you cause any of these little ones to stumble, what is he talking about there? How are we going to cause these little ones to stumble? We cause them to stumble by creating, listen, by creating a social rank in the kingdom of God where no such rank exists. James chapter two, it echoes this idea where he says, my brothers show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in. And if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in the good place while you say to the poor, uh, you stand over there or sit down at my feet. Have you not made distinctions among yourself and become judges with evil thoughts? What, what, what happens, I'm telling you, this is a very corporate message, right? I'm talking to the church this morning. What happens when that young, good-looking couple walks into the church? Everybody flocks to them after church. Let's give them a connect card. Let's get their name. Let's get their numbers. Let's, let's see if they have anywhere to go to church because we want, we want to get them in. Because they, 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 Let's ask them if there's any way that we can serve them. Let's be of service to them. But what about the other couple? who comes in and, and, and they don't look very nice. They look rough and maybe they haven't showered in a while and maybe, maybe they're not wearing the, the nicest clothes. Maybe they smell a little bit and they don't have much to offer the church. In fact, they look like a burden to the church. They look like a project to the church. Nobody ever goes to them. In fact, we don't even see them sometimes. We don't notice them because we're too busy looking at at what's nice and what's polished and what's talented and what's resourceful and what has money to pay tithes. But Jesus, I want you to hear this. Jesus never, never identifies with the high class. He identifies with the poor, the needy, the sick, the hungry, the ones in prison. And so if you're ignoring the little ones, Jesus is saying you're ignoring me. Remember Matthew 25, what Jesus is going to say to the people in the church. The people in the church ask him, when did we see you hungry? When did we see you in need? When did we see you in chains? When did we see you in prison and did not attend to you? When did we, visit, when, when did we not visit you when, we were, when you were sick? Surely if we would have seen you, we would have visited you. Surely if we would have saw you in need, we would have provided something to you. But Jesus says, truly I say to you, as you did not do to the least of these, you did not do to me. Hmm. As I was preparing this sermon, I don't know why these two quotes came to my mind um, that, that over the years I've kind of tried to live by. Maybe you've heard some of them before. I'm going to give you. It says, you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. In other words, if you hang out with a bunch of lazy, negative people, you're likely to be one of those people. If you hang out with champions, winners, you'll be, you're likely to be a winner, right? 
Here's another one. If, the, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Right? In other words, if you've outgrown your environment, you're never going to continue to grow and learn. You have to change your environment. And so, you know, I've, 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 always, I've always tried to be intentional about the, the people I allow to influence me, and the, the company that I keep. Right? There's, there's people in different stages of life that I would like to be in one day, so I like to keep myself under their wing a little bit. And, you know, I've, I've always talked about getting mentors and having people who pray the way that you want to pray, who have faith the way that you want to have faith one day, who have an anointing that maybe one day you desire to have. Like, get those people in your life. Those are role models. Those are good to have. But then I look at the life of Jesus, and he just does it so differently than we do. He does it so differently. Like, Jesus' culture is so different than ours. Even though we're Christian. Even though we love Jesus, he just does it so differently. Look at the company that Jesus kept. He was never trying to go up. He wasn't trying to get to Caesar. He wasn't trying to get to Rome. He wasn't trying to be the earthly king, even though people wanted to make him the earthly king. Jesus always identified with the lowly. He sat down with with the tax collectors, he sat down with the sinners. He spoke to women who had no rank in society. And he said, the greatest in the kingdom are those who come like children. To Jesus, the little ones, the insignificant, those are the ones that he cares the most about. But we're over here trying to be greater. Hmm. I don't know if I'm telling anybody this morning. Maybe this was truly just for me and I'm just preaching it to myself this morning. Because I would love, I would love to be better. Society has taught us since the beginning of time to always, always face the mountaintop. Always, always move forward, right? 2023 is coming. Some of y'all make, making some plans to be better. It's going to be the best year yet, right? We say that every year because we're always looking forward. We always want to advance. We want to get better. We want to grow. That's good. We always just want to elevate. And so when we elevate, a lot of times, a lot of times we don't want to turn around to help the people that were in the place that we were at before. Not because we don't want to help them, but because we're too occupied still getting to the next place. I just, I want to keep elevating. So I don't really, I don't have, I don't have time to help you. I don't have, I don't have time for the little people anymore. I want to get to the next place. I don't want to move backwards. I, I, I remember some years ago when my band was playing uh, for, for like a few thousand people. I didn't want to go back to playing crowds of 30 people. I want to keep going. I wanted to get bet, uh, bigger and better. I remember I started hanging around with like you know, big names in, in the, in the Christian music industry. I had, I had lunch one-on-one lunch with Marcos Witt. And, uh, he said that we were going to hang out with him and Chris Tomlin at his house. That never happened, but I did have lunch with Marcos Witt. And, and so I, I was at this place in my ministry that I, I didn't, I didn't want to go back. I wanted to move forward. I wanted to keep going. Because once you taste a little bit of greatness, you want more of it. Once you taste just a little bit of glory, you want more of it. And that's why we weren't designed for glory. We were designed to give glory. But society says, look ahead. Look at, look for the opportunity. Look for the stepping stone that is going to elevate you. And Jesus says, turn around. 
Turn around and look at who is behind you. Look at the little ones. Love the little ones. Teach the little ones. Chase the little ones. And this is where Jesus says, do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my father who is in heaven. And then he gives this beautiful illustration that we always talk about. We always preach about. But I don't know if we live it. It says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. Church, I, I think that we have truly stopped thinking like Christ in pursuit of our own greatness and in pursuit of our own comfort. We have been content. We have been content with 99 when before there was 100. See, the only time we should ever really care about regression. Are you still with me this morning? I'm hoping I'm getting this. The only time, the only time that we should ever care about regression is when it comes to the kingdom of God. Who cares if you used to sing in front of 10,000 people and now you're singing in front of 10 people? It doesn't matter. We're so bothered. We're so bothered. I'm so bothered when my personal numbers drop. We should be brokenhearted when the kingdom numbers drop. This is why Jesus, this is why Jesus said, you have to stop thinking about who's going to be the greatest. It's not about that. Because if that's all you're thinking about, you're not going to think about the little ones. And the little ones are always going to suffer. And they're not going to have anyone to care for them. Because the ones that I called to care for them only care about themselves. Last week I had lunch with a friend. I have the worship team come up. I had lunch with a friend who uh, he identified kind of a hurt in, in me as a pastor. And I was really encouraged by the fact that he recognized it. Um, he said, he said, he said, it's got to be hard as a pastor to have watched people be so full of faith. It's got to be hard for you to have seen people get to a certain point. It's got to be hard for you to, to, to see people on one Sunday lift up their hands and bowing down before the throne. It, it's got to be hard for you seeing people progress in the kingdom of God only for one day you don't even know where they're at. It's got to be hard for you for people to come in the kingdom of God and then one moment they're nowhere to be found. And I, I, I appreciated him so much for recognizing that hurt because it's all I think about as a pastor. It's all I, it really is. It's all I think about. And I love you. I love, I love the 99, right? Y'all are the 99. Praise the Lord for that. You're here. I hope you're never the one. I hope you're never the one. Be the 99. I love the 99. We think about the 99. We plan for the 99. We're going to have our calendar meeting for next year to plan out 2023. What we're going to do as a body of Christ. What we're going to do in the ministry. We're thinking about you. But my heart, my heart is with those who have left. And that's where your heart should be. 
That's where all of our hearts should be. But we have, we have become so content with the 99. Oh, we still got 99. It was just one person. Oh, he was a troublemaker anyways, and he's always just causing problems. And, 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 and the majority of the problems in the church come from him anyway. Maybe another church will pick him up. Let him go. No. Our hearts should break. And Jesus says, Jesus says it as if it's something that happens so obviously. Will you not leave the mountaintop and go down to the low and search for the one? They need Jesus more than you do today. And my my heart as a pastor is always with those who need more Jesus than someone else. Today, Today you might need provision from God. You might need healing from God. You might need strength from God. They need salvation from God. But we just keep going like it's nothing, man. I'm not speaking of our church. I'm speaking of just the church in general. The church, the church continues to advance. It continues to get further. It accomplishes more things. It gets more ministries and more ministers and more pastors. And it renovates and it gets parking lots. And those are great things. But I wonder if we have become too slow to leave the 99 in pursuit of the one. I'm hurting this morning. The church has always made people feel bad about not coming to prayer. We've made people feel bad about missing a Sunday. We make people feel bad because they don't show up to Wednesday nights. But when it comes to evangelism, when it comes to discipleship, when it comes to outreach, nobody even talks about those things. And that's where God's heart is. we start caring for the little ones we don't really care for the heart of God and it's just as simple as that I won't feel I wouldn't feel love for my wife if she loved me but she could care less about the things that I so deeply care about It's got to matter to her. The little things that she worries about or the big things that she worries about, the things that matter to her, they matter to me. I break for her. I, I, I cry with her when something happens to her directly. Because when one sheep leaves the kingdom, it doesn't hit us directly. It hits God directly. That's his kingdom. It's not my kingdom. So maybe we don't feel the same hurt as God feels, but Jesus is saying, unless you care for these little ones, you've missed the whole point of the gospel. You've missed the whole point of the cross. You've missed the whole point of the resurrection. 99 is great, but if there was a hundred, there needs to be a hundred. 
and I'm calling on the church this morning to begin to yearn, yearn, because it can't just be the pastor. It can't just be the leadership. It's got to be everybody. You've got to, I mean, you've got to look at people as Jesus sees them. Jesus said, Jesus said that he would enter the towns and he would be moved to compassion because he would see people in need of Jesus. It doesn't matter that they were okay. It doesn't matter that they were not in need. It doesn't matter if they had plenty of provision. It doesn't matter if they had smiles on their face. He, he looked at them and saw their souls empty. And a church that doesn't care about the one, doesn't care about the 99, doesn't, I'm sorry, doesn't care about the, the little ones. That is not the church that God has called I know this was a very corporate message. I know this was a, is a very churchy message, but but I'm, 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 I want to challenge you to begin to to hurt for people, man. Hurt for people. Hurt for people because that hurts God. My family is saved. I got four. I got three beautiful little family members my household of four that's not enough for me because it's not enough for God I still have cousins who need Jesus I still have a sister who needs to come back to Jesus I can't be so satisfied with my 99 because we're good I gotta continue to hurt because if you're not gonna hurt who will ask you to stand this morning. I've done this, I've done this a few times. I'm going to, I want to do it again. I, I, I believe that it's, it's powerful. First of all, I'm going to ask you this question. If you have Jesus in your heart, raise your hand. And I'm not looking at those who, who, who don't raise your hand. I'm looking at those who do. Okay. Now, of, of those who rose their hand, can you think of one name of somebody who needs Jesus? Raise your hand. Come up. 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 If you raise your hand, come up. And with that name in mind, I want you to begin to pray for them. And I want you to begin to, to, to really intercede and say, God, break my heart. Break my heart because I know that yours is broken. I know that you desire them to be here worshiping you. You are their representation this morning. Begin to pray over them. Begin to pray over them. Begin to pray. I, I know I know we're not talking about anything for you this morning. We're not talking about an elevating word. We're not talking about a prophetic word for, for your promise, for your blessing. I, it's not about you this morning. It's about the kingdom of God. And if that doesn't break you, it's time for a reevaluation. Re with that name, with that name, just begin to give it to Jesus. Give it to Jesus.
for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.